This is the Think LA podcast from Los Angeles, the center of advertising, marketing, and media. The pandemic has nearly passed, but consumer habits have been set. If you aren't the most convenient option, you're losing sales to your competition. Luckily, Gimbal's On The Way SDK lets stores know when a customer has left, if they're stuck in traffic, and when they've arrived. Don't make Timmy wait. I wonder how long this is going to take. Deliver magical experiences. Here's your order, sir. Whoa, thanks. For all your curbside and in-store pickup customers. Visit gimbal.com slash podcast to learn more. Sure, everyone started a podcast last year, but if you did, or even if you're considering creating one, is it the right solution for your company, brand, or agency? We asked podcasting expert Chaz Volk about the best way to get started, create content, and produce and distribute your podcast so that it can be an effective marketing tool. Chaz is a Los Angeles native who is incredibly passionate about supporting the arts and entertainment industry. His background in audio helped him start his company, Mr. Thrive Media, a multimedia company that specializes in podcasting marketing and networking events. Today, Chaz works as the producer and founder. The company's goal is to generate engaging media while connecting artists across the nation. Chaz currently produces the Mr. Thrive podcast and oversees the production of Small Bizcast, the Social Spice podcast, It's About Language, and more. Find them at MrThrive.com. Hello, Chaz. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Don. It's a real pleasure. So, Chaz, you've been doing this for a while. You've been podcasting. You've been helping people produce podcasts. And you created Mr. Thrive Media. How did you get started in all of this? The journey for how I got started was definitely not orthodox, so to speak. I went to film school, did not do anything in regards to broadcasting whatsoever. I went to San Francisco State and uh, I studied cinema there and I became a thesis student and got very deep into uh, directing a narrative. Um, but my journey with audio and, and really the, the precursor to what I do now started when I took an audio class. The main reason why I took a sound production class was because I realized that everyone in the entire world, including their mother, wanted to be a film director and a screenwriter. And even though that's still a passion of mine down the road in the long run, um, I knew that I needed a technical trade that I'd be able to utilize and use in a multitude of ways. That because of that, I, I actually started my early career uh, as a production sound mixer on various film sets. And I worked with some really incredible A-list actors. I actually worked with Gordon Ramsay at one point. I uh, got to feel the uh, amazing pectorals of Terry Crews because I got to mic him up. Um, I got to work with Tony Hawk and, you know, I, I had these really phenomenal experiences on film sets, but I realized in that process while I was working with these huge names that would make any person starstruck that I had a certain affinity towards emerging artists and entertainment professionals. So I started my own hobby of producing a podcast at the time called Mr. Thrive Stars of Tomorrow. And what later on happened as I built up that podcast was I left and did the starving artist thing. And I worked at 
uh, one of the worst restaurants I could ever work at. And, but while doing that, I was networking with all these artists who were also buses and servers like myself. And uh, what ended up happening was then my dad comes along and he says, you know, I like what you're doing. I want a podcast too. And my first thought was, I'm not sure I want to do this. I'm not sure I want to produce someone else's podcast. My life is already so busy. Sure. But it ended up being one of the best things I could agree to because it helped me develop a side hustle when I needed the money. And I started to build up a clientele. And then going into the pandemic, uh, that clientele tripled and quadrupled over time because I was able to learn that there is a way that I can actually reach out and extend a hand in support of these small businesses that could use this as an intimate marketing tool. So that way their business stands out in this unique way. And then this became Mr. Thrive, yes? And that, that became Mr. Thrive Media. Um, along with, by the way, we, we also host these virtual networking parties for artists and entertainment professionals, the same demographic that my podcast appeals to. Um, it's, it's in hopes to build a community around the podcast, but it's also on, an, on a deeper level in hopes to have a positive impact on the entertainment and arts world. So the joke, one of the jokes for last year was, you know, everybody started a podcast. Um, but there are not just individuals, but agencies and brands that feel that the podcast platform would be appropriate for them. How do they even get started? Where do you think they should start? I would say start looking at the podcasters that are experienced and start looking at them as potential people to hire internally or uh, to, to partner up with agencies like myself, Mr. Thrive Media, to be white labeled into their services. The reality is the reason why people work with me very often is because if they were to start alone, their podcast would be a wreck. But luckily for them, I've already made all the mistakes you could possibly make in the beginning stages of creating a podcast. So I learned the hard way in that hobby phase where you know, like, like, what does it take to make a podcast? How many episodes do you need before you start recording? What software do you use? What equipment do you use? How do you even interview? And, and then on top of that, how do you coach people to get ready to interview? And then how do you, how do you sell your brand on your podcast in a way that isn't uh, obnoxious? As much as we all love Willie Mays, if Willie Mays had his own podcast for that was an hour long episode, it'd be very obnoxious because all he would do is sell, sell, sell. It'd be very loud. It'd be very in your face. When you incorporate this uh, new mentality of, of, of you're not selling a product, you're selling a mentality, then you're going to be able to create the, the, the groundwork for a very successful narrative that can put your brand out there in no way that a TV commercial could. Well, that brings us into the, the idea of brand voice. When uh, a brand is either starting out or revamping themselves or even just marketing themselves. We always talk about uh, an authentic brand voice. In this case, we're taking that almost literally. Uh, how can brands, and even if that brand is an agency, how do they get their brand voice across clearly? What do they need to watch out for? In terms of, in terms of having an authentic brand voice, you know, I think it's important to have someone be the spokesperson of your podcast, whether you bring on an internal employee who works there or, or the owner of the company, but it needs to be established. And the second thing is that there needs to be a clear connection between uh, your podcast and the company, which is something that we help with and making it clear that 
okay, this podcast isn't just another podcast that the owner of this business made, that the podcast is a marketing tool for the business, that there is a clear synergy between the two things. If there isn't a clear synergy, then you've missed the entire point Then you're missing out on the biggest opportunity ever. You're just going to be throwing money and time at the wall that's never going to stick. So as you mentioned, as people get started, they want to maybe bring in the owner of the business or they want to bring in uh, an employee of the business, but how do they keep this concept of authenticity going with the content of their podcast? I think a great pointer to that is looking at either the blogs that you guys have written in the past or considering maybe what the clientele have asked about, common issues or common inquiries that have been brought up to uh, the company itself uh, and then build a narrative off of that because you know, the, that's, that's the, that's the reality. That's the free survey you're getting from the lay of the land is this is what people are interested in. So this is what we should talk about. And what are some of the more common mistakes that people make when they first start this endeavor? Great question. I would say that one of the common issues is simply just not knowing how to facilitate a conversation conversation in a natural way where you only have you know questions shot at someone that there's there's no uh normalcy behind it because because really the reason why people are listening to podcasts is to feel like they're a part of a conversation and when they have that experience of feeling they're, they're part of a conversation they get connected that's the reason why people actually have an okay time driving to the 405 freeway is because while they're on their way back they get to kind of unplug and then enter the conversation between in this situation, Don Lupo and Chaz Volk. And it's a great feeling. That makes a lot of sense. Do you find in, in that regard that a lot of brands or, and I'm saying brand meaning, you know, it could be an individual, a company, an agency could be anybody. Um, do you feel that these brands often are just the, the version of the audio version of a talking head? Yes. And you definitely do not want to give, that impression you'll people will tune out and you know let's get real here for one second there are three million podcasts in existence one million one million of them are active and of those one million podcasts that are active the average listenership of each and every single one of them is a hundred listeners per uh which is by the way a fine place to be if you get a hundred listeners per episode um your business is going to do fine because that that means that you have at least a hundred people interested and in constantly trying to engage with the company every single time you record. So that's a great sign, but it can be better. And that's what, you know, that's what uh, one of the great focuses is of, of producing podcasts. Have you found that a lot of people get started and there's this enthusiasm, they've got the listeners and then some other priority takes precedence and, it just falls by the wayside. Burnout definitely does occur. So does getting distracted from the task at hand. And, you know, I think that that's why it's one of those things that if you're doing it by yourself, that's way more prone to happen. Uh, what, what I, what I will say is that this is why it's imperative to like get as many done as many recordings and episodes done as early as possible. Is that way you can build up a cachet, and then as soon as you have, you know, the last two episodes that haven't been released yet, you know, ready to go, to start getting those episodes recorded ahead of time. But of course, as well, by the way, you want to keep your recordings relevant. So you have to also be ready to start recording 
and get to work on the whole entire producing aspect of it for major world events that your company might want to talk about. So for example, let's say you had a, you had, you had a, a company that was, that was uh, based in agriculture and food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was an E. coli outbreak uh, that happened just this week and you sure. just find out about it on the news. That's an ad hoc event that you have to uh, have some say in or else you're going to lose the relevancy. If you just release it four weeks later and maintain the schedule that you're at, no one's going to care because that's going to be taken care of. When your listeners will probably be waiting to hear that. What's, right. your, what's your perspective on that? Exactly. So there are constant world events, constant relevant situations that are happening in your world. If you're not ready to record and, and have a say in that, then why should why should people listen to you? And I'm sure, by the way, if if you know people in the Think LA community, they already kind of have that mindset when it comes to general social media and PR advertising and digital marketing. They've kind of already have that mindset. It's the same thing with podcasting, except now it's more about the complete mindset and hearing the tonality of what the company thinks directly from the host of the show, who in this case, presumably is the owner of the business, uh, et cetera. Well, and it, it seems also, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that the more episodes you have and the, if you are trying to make your mark as a leader in the industry, then people are going to see you as a representative of that industry. So of course they're, they're going to hear the most timely topics, but it also seems like back when social media was starting out and it was, you know, we need to be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and maybe your company doesn't belong on every social platform. And maybe your company doesn't belong on the podcasting platform. You know, there's no need to jump on the bandwagon if you don't have something to say. Yes. Absolutely. You know, if, if you're, you know, you don't want things to feel forced. You don't want things to be awkward. Um, and I, I would say that's a common mistake as well. Uh, with, with when you start a podcast is do you really have something to say or are you just looking for another marketing tool? When it comes to podcast marketing, you're not selling an item. You're not selling the product. You're selling a mentality. So I was actually speaking with someone recently who had an accessory uh, for their phone. It was, a, it was some sort of phone accessory that allows you to, to hold your phone in a much easier way. right? And, and he was asking me about podcast production as a, as a means to sell. And I was saying, listen, I, I think it's a great product, but if you only talk about your accessory, you're going to run out of content very quickly. It doesn't sound to me like you should have a podcast about your specific accessory. You should have a podcast about problem solving mm-hmm. because problem solving is an idea that can be expanded upon in a multitude of ways. And you can meet some very interesting people who went through some tri- uh, tri- uh, tri- trials and tribulations to get to that problem solving place. That's a story. That's a story that people are interested in. And that's what your company could be about is problem solving. If you only focus on selling the literal item that you're trying to sell, uh, let's use a non-tangible item as an example. Let's say uh, you're in law, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're just talking about, um, uh, let's say cannabis law, right? Right. Uh, You can definitely expand on different concepts of that. But if you're only talking about new developments in law, then you have to wait for every new development to pop up. And then there's not really much to really expand on. But now if you're talking about a misunderstood culture that can be educated from, can actually have healing properties to it, can uh, create some really great positive influence on the world, then you have a narrative there. And so I'm just kind of planting the, the different seeds right now, different ideas for the listeners who might aren't sure whether or not their narrative would be forced or if it would actually be something productive to build on. 
Sure. So take something you know about and talk about it. But, you know, for example, using your example of the company that makes a phone widget, maybe you talk about mobile technology and advancements in mobile technology sponsored by the ABC phone widget company. A hundred percent. And that way you then create a connection and people then start to recognize the name over and over and over. You build those different steps. You create those touches with the podcast in a very subtle in, in, in clever way. And then eventually you'll start to see the search engine optimization increase as the name is improved. How successful are people usually with uh, creating something like an editorial calendar and how much do you recommend that? In, in other words, planning out your episodes and who you're going to speak with and making sure you have those uh, publication dates and production dates set up ahead of time. I think those are the most successful people. And that's something that I'm, I'm certainly uh, no stranger to. It's, it's, it's imperative. We're talking about content uh, creation here on a you know, level that not the typical blog could accomplish. And so with that, it has to be taken with a certain uh, importance that, that not other companies have even opened up their eyes to yet. And, th- and this really is a cutting edge marketing tool that, again, the advantage is not every business has jumped onto it. So when Facebook and Instagram and Twitter had really just launched and you had the first businesses starting to look at it as a marketing tool and not just a place for kids to start communicating with, that those are the businesses now that are thriving. Interesting. Um, so, so now you're getting more and more companies opening up their eyes to this. You don't want to miss out on the opportunity before it's too late. And these things snowball over time. You might release something and go, oh, darn, I only got 50 listeners on that episode. Well, that's 50 potential leads. That's 50 cold calls that you just made that people either said no to or are still considering. That's 50 different people who now know about your brand that are now interested and want to continue pursuing what you might have to say. And then that 50 turns into 60 and that 60 turns into 100 and so on and so forth. It's going to snowball over time. It takes time. It's a long-term investment that you got to be willing to make. And if you're not willing to make it, that's totally fine. But you're just not going to be on the same train that is taking off when it comes to the other success that people want to talk about, the narrative that people want to give off. And that's perfectly fine. Not everyone wants to have a podcast. I don't want everyone to have a podcast. I want the best of the best voices to have a podcast. And I want to have that privilege to work with them. That makes a lot of sense. So if you have something to say and something useful and you feel that you can uh, offer something to the space, then it might be for you. 100%. Listen, I, I, on top of my head right now, I cannot think of a plumber that would have a good podcast. However, if maybe there is going to be a good podcast about plumbing, maybe there already is one. There's already over 3 million in existence, as I mentioned before. The podcast industry in 2021 jumped from a $2.1 billion industry to an $11.3 billion industry, wow. uh, ex- exceeding the expectations that it was expected to, to jump to. So there probably is a plumbing podcast out there. I'm just saying that don't force a narrative. I'd like to, I'd actually like to hear the plumbing version of car talk. I think that'd be pretty good. Oh, that would be great. I would listen to that. I I would a hundred percent jump on that. That'd be great. So you talked about how this, this industry has really grown in terms of revenue uh, and in terms of popularity, but that brings us to the question, you know, how do you decide whether you're going to be purely informative or 
you know, at what point do you start to say like, well, I'm going to, you know, get some sponsors for this podcast? Yeah. Great question. Um, in terms, in terms of what the purposes of the podcast, again, it comes down to avoiding the common mistake of not knowing what your podcast is going to be about and making sure that your narrative is solid. There are narrative podcasts, there are interview-based podcasts, there are uh, 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 archival podcasts as well, where you just are recycling old content and, and putting it out on there to be listened to and consumed in other ways. Um, it really comes it, the early stages of, of just knowing what your podcast is going to be and, and conceptualizing it and formatting it. That's imperative and do that right away. If you don't do that right away, people are going to listen to your show and go, why am I listening to this and move on? And they, I, I can't tell you how many times uh, a friend has come to me and asked, you know, asked me to listen to their podcast and give them advice. And I'll tell them like, this is just a conversation between friends. I have no reason to really care about this. You guys could have been talking about, anything in the entire world. And I didn't gain a single thing from it. Um, yeah, and, and that's, also, that's happened in a lot of episodes, I'm sure. Oh yeah. That's why there's 3 million uh, podcasts in existence, but only 1 million are active. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing as well uh, is that I, I would say, I would say a lack of ability to acknowledge the audience because remember we're trying to make the audience feel like they're a part of the conversation. They're a part of the narrative. So if the audience is not acknowledged in this entire process, then again, there's no interest on the listener's behalf to continue listening. There's no uh, further inspiration to get involved in not the audience, but the community. Which, which then makes it irrelevant for anybody to even want to sponsor it. A hundred percent. And then, yeah, you asked the question about sponsorship. Um, I, I would like to, like to mention that sponsorship is not the only way for a podcast to make money. Oh. Um, you can actually, you know, there are affiliate process there there are uh, means through affiliate deals and affiliate marketing there is uh you can do shout outs which are like sponsorships but a little less formal um you can do uh submitted requests where you can actually upload someone's uh voice file they can pay to have their voice on your podcast to say hi for a quick second kind of like a radio segment oh so sure so there's a lot of different ways you can go about it and these are different processes that uh really begin to open up when, when you start to market towards a community and not an audience, um, which I have a lot of feelings about. And I'll tell you about that in a second, but I, I would say, I would say don't shoot for the sponsorship opportunities right away. The reason why is because anyone who starts their podcast today, it's going to have small numbers to begin with. So there's a, there's a system called CPM and that's basically, it basically means clicks per listener. It's basically what that means. And it, typically the system is one cent per listener. It's going to start out as a Denny's coffee, not a Starbucks coffee at first. It's going to be a very small portion to start out, sure. but it's going to, it's going to grow over time. And it, there's, there's opportunities there for people to, to explore that, but it's not necessary. I think what people need to focus on at the beginning is getting their narrative down, making sure their content is engaging with the community, involving the audience that they're, that they're, that they're speaking to. And, and then finding finding ways to continue to con create the content and make it relevant. So you've got your content, you've got your backlog of episodes, you're consistent, you're bringing in the right voices and the right people, uh, you're marketing it as best you can, you've got a you know, decent 
group of listeners. Um, what are some of the best ways to distribute a podcast? I think it comes down to, is this just a vodcast with a video and audio or is it, or is it just a podcast with, with the audio only? Um, so let's, let's start with just audio. Let's make it simple. Just audio. Yeah. Um, you definitely want your podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify. In fact, getting reviews on Apple podcasts is imperative when you're beginning. If you get enough reviews fast enough with a podcast that just starts, you end up actually on the front page of Apple podcasts when people open up the app and they can start exploring it. So anyone who is a podcast listening uh, fanatic uh, will find your podcast on the front page of Apple podcasts. It'd be great. Basically, if you get a hundred reviews within less than a week, you're in a really great place to be. Huh. And that's also a reflection of how the show's going to be too. This isn't an official metric, what I'm about to say, but I have a theory. Sure. Okay. okay. My, my theory is if you ever want to know the, the total listenership of a show, mm-hmm. take the number of reviews that are on Apple podcasts and multiply that by three. And that'll oh, be interesting. Yeah. That's, that's generally how I, how I look at it. And that's how you'll know a show success. That's how I, it's, it's only a theory, by the way, it's not a, not a confirmed uh, law or anything or concept, but that's just how I, how I'm able to, to really gauge a podcast's success. Um, so you, so you think about a third of the listeners are willing to take the time to review a podcast. Absolutely. Especially if you're consistently asking them on the show to review the podcast, which is again, super important. The more positive reviews you have, um, the more the algorithms will work to your favor. And that's why Apple Podcasts is the most important podcasting platform, no matter how many uh, new podcast platforms are revealing themselves. uh, That's pretty important. For example, I think Amazon recently opened up a podcasting streaming service and okay, great. I'll put my podcast on Amazon podcasts. Sure. Quite frankly, people are going to primarily stick to Spotify and Apple podcasts and maybe Stitcher. Um, But those two platforms have really... Uh, made for themselves a very cumulative cache cache of of uh, really important uh, where you're going to get the content in the in the easiest most accessible way possible. Sure. Uh, well, that's a lot of great information. Thank you for that. Uh, I guess I guess the the adjacent question to that is, um, you know, choosing how to distribute it is one thing. How do you choose a platform to create it on? For example, we we create the Think LA podcast on Anchor. Uh, what are some others that people might want to look into? You, there, there, are, there are a ton of hosting platforms out there. I think the two best ones are probably Anchor, quite frankly. It's, it's simple and fast. Libsyn brings it to a certain professional level and has certain algorithms to it that help those podcasts, but that's a, that's a paid service. So Anchor and Libsyn, is that, how do you spell Libsyn? L-I-B-S-Y-N. Okay. Um, Lipson's good. And then the other one is Buzzsprout and Buzzsprout. uh, They have actually a ton of really great videos on YouTube, kind of giving people the basics and, and giving some great knowledge on what people can do to improve their podcast. They have some very valuable information on there actually. Oh, that's great. Okay. So three solid platforms. That's great. So we have content, we've got consistency, we've got platforms, we've got distribution channels. Where do people go from there? Where do you see the industry going? You're basically asking uh, for the SWOT analysis of podcasting. Right? I, I, I just might be. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I've talked about the strengths. I've kind of gawked over it this whole interview. Um, the weaknesses is that uh, 
well, I'm not really sure what the weaknesses are, so to speak, but you're talking about, uh, you know, giving out a mentality and, and um, I, I guess maybe it, it can be time consuming if you're doing it alone by yourself. Right. Sure. And uh, it's, it's hard uh, from a business perspective to figure out what, it, what is the best way to, to sell that to your clients, unless you have a structure ahead of time. Um, the opportunities you've heard throughout this entire podcast, we're talking about search and op optimization. We're talking about um, opening up potential leads where your listeners, uh, your pro it will become prospects that keep your brand top of mind as you consistently create content. Again, mm -hmm. that consistency is key. Um, but then the final, the final thing I would say in terms of um, technical possibilities to come uh, we're seeing kind of these new challenges opening up uh, when it comes to uh, consuming content in new ways. Like, for example, one new one, one new platform that a lot of podcasters have been talking about is Clubhouse. Yes. Yeah, we hear and, that constantly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Clubhouse is a concept to me that I'm, I'm certainly no expert in. I've, I've dabbled with it. I've looked around and searched the web to see really what Clubhouse is about. And um, my belief as to what is going to happen with Clubhouse, either Clubhouse is going to be disregarded as soon as we're out of the pandemic, mm -hmm. or uh, Clubhouse is going to adapt and turn to something even more. Do you think Which it's going to be like, like, like a, when you see something more, you make it like a Discord competitor? Could be, could be a Discord competitor. It could be another podcast host competitor. Um, oh, interesting. You know, I, I really have no clue. What I will say about Clubhouse is that it's a really great piece of software, but it's also existed uh, for several years prior to the pandemic. It blew up during the pandemic, not only because the uh, owners of the company had funded celebrities to come on and use Clubhouse. I would say it also blew up because people were lacking connectivity oh, during this pandemic. You know, people were living in their uh, 10 by 10 you know, for, you know, box, uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, living off of unemployment, applying for jobs and trying to just survive in this, this unprecedented experience. Certainly. Um, but then comes along clubhouse and in this audio only communication software, they're now able to talk with each other. And there was an experience of feeling less alone. And I think that's why people got so dependent on clubhouse during this time. But I think the, gap filled is for the people who, you know, spent their times, you know, at the office going, going to like the, the, the break room and, you know, having their, their coffee, their coffee conversations uh, over the, over the coffee machine, you know, those were the conversations that people were missing. And that's what clubhouse was able to provide. That was the empty missing space that clubhouse was able to fill in when we're sure. out of this it, pandemic. I don't know if people will continue to want clubhouse. And it's, there's kind of mixed opinions about it, including my own. I, I see it as a great potential, but I also see it as a trend. And I'm well, not and sure. It, it's happens. a break from the Zoom burnout of just constantly, you know, staring into the, <laughs> the faces of people who are, you know, so two-dimensional and, and yourself for too long every day. Right. And, and, and that's, a, that's, a shared, that's a shared advantage that podcasting have, have as well. With podcasting, if if you it's an audio only podcast, we're not talking about a YouTube. Uh, we're not talking about a YouTube based podcast like a vodcast. Right. Um, you're able to multitask. You're able to to do things on the go. Keep your eyes off of screens because, like you said, people are getting zoomed out. 
I definitely feel zoom out 90% of my business days, you know, it's something that has become a a regular occurrence. And uh, it's quite interesting to see what we plan to do coming out of this pandemic. What part is clubhouse going to play? I think that's really going to be imperative to whether or not clubhouse is going to be successful. And, and as you said, might it could be a new podcast platform. It could be Discord. It could be, it could be anything, but it's going to depend on where the demand is there. Right, exactly. And how much, how much money can they invest in celebrities constantly pushing it? Sure. When you end up in a room with Bill Gates, that's a pretty exciting experience. But after that, Bill Gates has other things to do. He's a pretty <laughs> busy guy. So. Apparently, yeah. Right, right. So, you know, how much can we really lean on this you know podcasting has been here for 10 years it's here to stay it's um as, as far as i know um it, it's not showing any signs of slowing down the industry is consistently building up shows are becoming big overnight and, and turning the everyday person into uh a, an on an, like a radio host personality and it's it's quite phenomenal it really is that's interesting so so just in terms of wrapping up it's plan out your episodes, have an opinion, have a perspective, uh, have the right mentality, uh, depending on your expertise, um, line up your, your guests, have the right conversations, um, distribute across the right platforms and be consistent in your brand voice. Does, does that cover it? I think that that absolutely covers it. One more thing I'd like to add on as well is that a lot of a lot of the times, the reason why people don't start podcasts is because they think that it's already been talked about. Oh, interesting. You know, I, I hear that a lot. Well, you know, I have an idea, but you know what? My it's it's inspired by my favorite podcaster, and I just do not think that I have anything new to offer to bring to the table. To which I say, well, that's not true. The, does that podcast that you listen to have you in it? Because that's what sets podcasts apart. I'll tell you right now. You know, with, with my personal podcast, it's about entertainment professionals and artists, the hobby that started it all, right? Talking sure. about these uh, amazing individuals that are the jack of all trades of, of personalities that get in and get dirty. Guess what? My, pod, my podcast is that, that, that narrative is talked about on a lot of other podcasts out there. It's a part of the other 3 million podcasts that exist. The difference is, is that none of them include me, Chaz Volk. And that's the difference. And that's what actually helps set me apart. People don't listen to podcasts because of the narrative. People listen to podcasts because of the personality behind the narrative. And that's why people get engaged. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, j- just like just like anything, I would suppose, whether you're reading somebody's Twitter feed or you're following their Instagram or listening to their podcast, it's the person behind it who's, who's creating it and offering their perspective, their unique perspective. I couldn't agree more. Chaz, thank you so much for being here today. We've been talking with Chaz Volk of Mr. Thrive Media. Chaz, I wish you all the best and thank you so much. Thank you, Don. It's really been a pleasure wishing you and Think LA a fantastic rest of the month. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To find out more about our upcoming webinars and events, please go to thinkla.org. You'll also find information on membership and how we continue our mission of serving the Los Angeles advertising, marketing, and media community. Take care.